This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Thursday afternoon. Just a little damp out there. This too shall pass because the forecast is improving, well, at least over the next couple of days. I'm glad you're hanging out with me this afternoon. I'm not sure if you heard the news earlier this week. You know, I've, and we've heard this before. It's not the first time we've heard of someone saying that they have cancer and a community rallies behind them, raises money, and it turns out they don't have cancer. And a Calgary woman, the news was this week, she's actually facing fraud charges. But it speaks to a bigger issue of people who go to such lengths to either con people or is there something just not right with them? Dr. Mark Feldman is a clinical professor of psychiatry, adjunct professor of psychology, the University of Alabama, and he's the author of Playing Sick, Untangling the Web of Fictitious Disorder, Munchausen Syndrome, Munchausen by Proxy, and Malingering. Mark, that is one long title. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, you said it perfectly, so I appreciate that, and I'm glad to be with you. Oh, for someone who hasn't even heard Munchausen syndrome, define it for us. Yeah, Munchausen syndrome is a mental disorder in which people feign, exaggerate, or actually self-induce illness in themselves in order to gain some kind of emotional satisfaction, like the pleasure that comes with mobilizing attention or sympathy. Now, Munchausen by proxy is just a little bit different, but kind of the same. Explain that one. Well, it's different in the sense that instead of sickening themselves or lying about illness in themselves, the person um, instead exaggerates or feigns or induces illness in another person. Usually the perpetrator, and I use that word because this is a form of child abuse, is a mother and the victim is her own child. How long have we known about Munchausen? Well, I think doctors have been aware of Munchausen syndrome going way back, but it wasn't officially named until about 1951 by a British a physician who sometimes had patients come into the emergency room or directly into the hospital uh, dramatically ill, coughing up blood, that sort of thing. Um, And he would discover over time that they had done things to themselves to create the symptoms. And he called it Munchausen syndrome because the Baron Munchausen stories, the exaggerations that Baron Munchausen supposedly told, have are, are familiar to lots and lots of people and have been in publication for many years. So uh, he was clever in picking that word. It's also a captivating word in some ways and called it Munchausen syndrome. What if it's just someone, and and I know you can't speak to this specific case that we've got before the courts, the woman who's charged with fraud, but there must be a big difference between someone who is mentally not right to go to such extremes and someone who is saying, hey, I can probably get some money from some really heartbroken people over cancer and fool them at the same time. Is there a big difference? 
Well, there is an important difference when you think about the criminal justice system. Uh, generally, Munchausen patients are just after intangible things like attention and care, concern that they may feel unable to get in any other way. But um, the moment, and, and you really can't charge somebody for stealing your sympathy. Uh, you can't charge them legally, but if uh, they go over the line and start to solicit money under the pretense that they have cancer or some other illness, that becomes a criminal matter, and that's when the police can step in. Even And the difference also is that Munchausen syndrome, that is making yourself sick for attention, is considered by all psychiatric organizations to be a mental illness, whereas malingering, which is when they're after... Uh, disability payments or evasion of criminal prosecution or evasion of the military, that, uh, that is not a mental illness. It's just a criminal justice problem. And that's the big difference then, as you say. Well, even in your book then, Playing Sick, and part of that title is also malingering. So those people would fall into that category. Yes, and uh, malingering has been around well, really, there's even an instance of it in the Bible where King David feigns insanity to avoid incarceration. Um, so we've known about it forever, and uh, it arises in military settings in particular, in prison settings, and in other settings where if you looked at the situation, you would sort of understand why they're doing what they're doing. That is, you wouldn't approve of somebody feigning illness to get money um, or um, to get lenience on the job, days off, etc. Yeah. You wouldn't approve of that, but um, it's something that they have found to be very effective. Um, you can you can sort of ascertain why they would do it. When it comes to Munchausen syndrome, you're left kind of wringing your hands as to why would somebody inject themselves with bacteria or drink uh, a caustic chemical or whatever they might choose to do. Uh, it, it's it, You have to rack your brain and you may never come up with a truly satisfactory answer to why they're doing that. So when you say rack your brain, obviously something's not right in their brain if they would go to such lengths? Well, it's hard to know if there's uh, something wrong with their brains because these Disorders, by definition, are bathed in deceit, and very few of these patients are willing at any point to come forward and get treatment. They don't want to admit that they've been chronic liars who have gotten things under false pretenses, including sympathy and nurturance. Uh, so we have very little opportunity to get brain studies, imaging studies, uh, to be able to conclude whether or not there is some physiological or anatomical abnormality uh, common to all of these patients. Dr. Feldman, you mentioned about the, the big difference with the, the criminal intent when you start soliciting money, and of course then you're facing fraud charges. But when we talk about Munchausen by proxy, that would also be a criminal charge, wouldn't it? You mentioned that it would yes. come under child abuse. That's right. Uh, the you don't really talk about the mother as being a patient in that setting. You talk about her as being a perpetrator. Yeah. And the child is, in fact, a victim. He's, he may be a patient because he needs psychological or some physical attention because of what the mother may have done. But uh, it is, first and foremost, a form of child abuse. And the focus 
has to be on protecting the child going forward. And uh, even if the child is pre-verbal, as many of them are, they're infants or or toddlers, um, you have to focus on them and not so much on the perpetrator, who, after all, can hire attorneys and run to the media and uh, contact government officials and do lots of things to try to evade what really is a criminal responsibility on their part. You know, everyone listening, their heart is breaking to think that a mother or a parent could do that to a child. But in those cases, then, when it does end up in a a criminal setting, does the perpetrator get the help they need because it kind of goes back to the Munchausen on its own. And you said it's hard for us to actually find people to really study because they are still believing their own lies. So then does the parent who has caused such abuse to the child, do they just end up in the prison system or do they admit that they've got a bigger problem? Well, Actually, 23 or so years ago, I wrote an article for a medical journal called Denial in Munchausen by Proxy. And the reason I wrote that article was I had come across lots of perpetrators, and none of them would ever admit to what they had done. You could even show them videotapes of their suffocating the child in the hospital room, and they would come up with some other explanation for what was clearly an abusive act. Um, I have been working in this field for 25 years, and I think I've only had three mothers who admitted under, uh, when presented with strong evidence that in fact they were perpetrators. So the denial response is what kicks in. And if a mother is denying what she's done, there's really no way that treatment can be effective because they're disagreeing with you about their need to even be in the therapy office. So it can be very frustrating, and a lot of therapists really want nothing to do with Munchausen syndrome and Munchausen by proxy because they anticipate it's going to be very frustrating for everybody involved. Wow, that's heartening. So what happens? Is there any successful treatment? I mean, it's obviously up to that person to admit there's a problem, but I'm just curious if they can actually be cured of this. They can stop the behavior um, under some conditions, Uh, Usually, though, once again, we need them to admit to doing something wrong, so at least we have a starting point. But as I suggested before, we need to focus less on the mother and more on placing the child, in most cases, outside the home, if only temporarily, just to make sure that the child does, in fact, improve when not uh, in the custody of his own mother. Um, And that's called the separation test. And we may find, to our surprise, that the child worsens or stays the same when separated from his mother, and that will uh, help clear her of any accusations of abuse. But more often, we place them elsewhere, and there's a miraculous improvement. And then we have to make important decisions, such as whether Mm. the mother should even be allowed visitation. Uh, We want to keep these kids safe. I'm wondering if you even know why some people end up having Munchausen. You know, maybe it goes back to your other answer, just how difficult it is to research these people. But is it traumatic events? Is is there any way of understanding maybe they've had this ever since they were young? Yes, many of them. Um, appear to have had histories as children of being pathological liars, lying about events, lying about sexual assaults, lying about um, all sorts of 
traumatic experiences. And of course, it's hard for us sometimes to tell whether or not they really happened. Uh, it's hard to corroborate a claim of sexual abuse when, when the mother says say she was only five or six years old. But still, there's a reflexive kind of response that I'm not responsible. It's in fact the trauma I suffered as a child. Many of them do say they were emotionally neglected and they found that the only time their parents really took notice was when they uh, were ill. Uh, so they arranged to appear to be ill. And when they started to have children, they shifted it to the next generation, as it were, and started to sicken their own children to mobilize the same sort of attention and views of them as being indefatigable caregivers and heroes. Uh, so it's it's a complex story, and it's a story to which we still don't have a good ending. We We want to gain as much information as we can. But as you, I mentioned before, and as you repeated, uh, these mothers are so unwilling to acknowledge what they have done. We hit a brick wall. Is it mainly mothers or women? Yes, about 75% of the cases involve a mother as the perpetrator. In, the rem- in 20% of the remainder, it's another female, like a daycare provider, a nurse even, uh, or a grandparent, a grandmother, and in about five percent of cases, it's the father or another male. Final, so final question, Mark, only because I'm running out of time here. Oh, sure. is, is it something that they they see then passed on to their kids? Like, do you think a child who's grown up in that kind of a household would be more apt to actually exhibit those symptoms of Munchausen? Yes, I think the answer to that is yes. We do see cases. Uh, and many cases where the child has learned some bad things from his parent, and that might include feigning illness or inducing illness in others. Okay, Dr. Feldman, thanks so much for your time today. Okay, it's been my pleasure. Dr. Mark Feldman, a clinical professor of psychiatry. He's an adjunct professor of psychology, and he's the author of Playing Sick. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.